Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today it's our full podcast for season four, episode one, The Auguries. Auguries. I tried it both ways. Uh, Aaron, how you feeling about Westworld season one uh, or sorry, episode one coming back to it? I feel good. I feel like it's uh, it's up to its old tricksy self. Um, I feel like there are a million different variations of Christina is actually in a human park writing Mm -hmm. for host robots vacationing. And uh, I've, I've, I've seen a million different variations of what people think is actually contained in the Hoover Dam. There's a lot of discrepant. There's a lot of people that have forgotten where the forge data is in relation to the sublime data. Uh, and then there's a, there's a lot of like uh, in, inter there's a lot of civil wars amongst those communities of people who recollect a season two finale differently than others. Um, but that's mm. that's Westworld. Uh, I, th- I you know there's a little bit of embarrassment because you know when we do the instant take we literally just watch the thing and talk about it. And the one that I I felt like I really had egg on my face was conflating Caleb and his wife's uh, anniversary with what I think they're referring to is the anniversary of robo independence or whatever. Yes. Yeah. That's seven the, year anniversary of, of either the riots or the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which kind of changed how I, I felt about those scenes and, and the, the context of the dates and times and all that. Um, I really enjoyed my rewatch of it. Uh, I'm really enjoying the crazy stuff that people are saying about it. Uh, I just found out hours before we recorded this, that my father's dragon, that book that, Caleb is reading to his daughter is a real ass book published in 1948. You can get it for a buck on Amazon Kindle. An audio version is free on Amazon. Uh, so clearly it's a, it's a 23 page children's book illustrated and it's going to be ground zero for theory crafting. I'm going to try to read it before the feedback episode. That's that, that's a big deal. What, what did you think? Is Aaron Paul the narrator on that audiobook? Cause I will listen to it if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, Jonathan Nolan, unfortunately. I, I just want Aaron Paul to read to me at bedtime. Is that too much to ask? Mm. I don't think so. Uh, I want him to tell me about the benefits of perimeter lighting uh, yes. when it comes to bed monsters. Because honestly, that kind of shit, like I feel like that would kill with kids. If you busted like to a four-year-old scared of beds, like I want to leave the nights like, that's for suckers. That's what the monster right. wants you to do. You fucking turn the lights off in there. I'll turn the hall lights on. You'll know the mi- man. I feel like that, that like kid, the kids would like grab onto that. That's some brilliant shit. For sure. Uh, I, I like the episode. I, I'm I still like the episode after another watch. Uh, I, 
I'm so there are only so many versions of like Dolores is a human in a simulation, uh, New York that is a park for humans or for, yeah. for a host to come and, and interact with humans the way that they used to in Westworld. Uh, it, I can only see so many variations of that before my eyes cross. Nothing means anything. And I lose all track of who I am as a human. And I think that's the point of this show. Like they're trying to, to confuse me to the point where I'm not even sure if I'm a human or a host and you know, job well done. Because it's working. Have you ever uh, questioned the nature of your reality? <laughs> every day, every day, all day, every day. Actually, uh, so so I don't know. I'm I'm reading through Reddit. I'm like, okay, I think I got a handle on this. I read two more pages, and nope, nope, I've lost it all. Uh, yeah, I have. I, I'm more interested, I guess, in the themes. What with uh, yes, what they're doing with this stuff thematically, as opposed to like the intricate plot details, right? Like, yes. oh, the tower is behind her in this shot and it's the street lamps and right. yes, all that stuff is indicating something, but why is it indicating that? And, and we're, we're definitely going to be talking about this part. stuff and pointing it out. But like, I I'm with Jim. Like, I don't know that I have a, a really vested interest in backing in particular horses and any particular races. It's more of like, yeah, what does it mean thematically? What does it mean to the characters? Um, yeah. And at some point, is there even does a it hang together difference? between like a simulated reality versus a park with mind control fly humans right right like how much like it's the same matter? thing people are like fixating on uh evan rachel wood saying that christina is a human yeah i think that evan rachel wood would say that dolores was a human and she would challenge you sure. to prove on first principles why she wouldn't qualify as a human. You know, so it's like it's like it's it's very much like, you know, how, where you stand on on what hosts are, what conscious people are, what sentience is, what kind of rest. Like, I, I feel like it, it's it's easy. And then the other thing is, like, on twisty shows like this, you got to understand that all the P- PR that people do is in service of the the great lie, which is the work of fiction that they're telling. Yeah. So if there's a percentage in having you thinking that Christina is a human and maybe she really has a marble inside of her brain, uh, you know, I, I, I like I said, I, I wouldn't even say that that's a lie. And even if it is a lie, it's a lie to tell a story, which is, again, a lie. Um, but yeah. it, the, I, I know what you mean. Like, to me, it's like I'm content. It's like, well, I'm definitely noticing all those things because mm-hmm. it's uh, all the tapestry that they're weaving as artists. But yeah, getting try, trying to outsmart this show uh, right. is not something I'm super interested in doing. And the people yeah. that do manage to do it tend to not as enjoy the experience as much. But we'll and see. That's the thing. Like it, the deeper you go into that, the more you lose what they're actually trying to do with the show, which is yeah, uh, g- give you some some kind of thought that they have about humanity um, and an artificial life and. I think that's the more interesting thing. But having said I, I'm that, I'm also watching, you know, all these clues, right? I do see the street lamps. I do see uh, how flies really. I do see that her father was named Peter. Like, all do you know these how things. flies relate to the webs? And have you noticed that the tower is covered in webs? Sure. Seems yeah. like that would be forces in opposition. And yet the man in black is working with Shaloris. Well, yeah, you know, we get it. Um, having said that, does anyone else think that Caleb's on a two timeline type of deal? that's like you know i mean it's like that's what i'm saying it's like it's a recursive thing of puzzles at this point and people trying to like you know they're they're like they're like little kids going through a haunted house and they're just they they got scared a few times and never going to get scared again and instead of scared we're talking surprised by uh a prestige sci-fi beat-em-up drama yeah you gotta Uh, give into the surprise i guess Uh, that's the thing right Um, yeah 
So yeah, the, I'm, the, I'm excited for the themes. I, I do feel like they're they're starting to lean into the idea that like humans just won't be happy with a serene life, right? There's a lot of stuff to do with that around Caleb this episode where he's, you know, still wanting the war, um, according to sure. his wife. That you know, the stories that Christina are is writing are too saccharine, too sweet, uh too too everyday and normal, and her boss wants her to write something more violent and edgy and because that's what people really want, you know. Um I, I think they're telling that as a theme that humans just can't be satisfied with the good life. <sighs> That's an interesting thesis, and I don't mind to see it explored. Um, sure, but I, you know, I have thoughts. But we'll we'll see as the mm-hmm. as the the season progresses. Um, I read a ton of interviews as Lisa and Jonathan and everybody. Uh, the one that really stood out in my mind was, was a deadline one by Anthony D'Alessandro, where she confirms that they have plans beyond season four of Westworld. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't commit to a number of seasons, uh, but they definitely do not see it ending here. Um, I'm curious about HBO's willingness to continue the Westworld experiment. Like, uh, you know, uh, th- this, this was a huge hit in season one and season two, less so in season three. And it seems like it's, it's now dipped to like a, a million subscriber type of thing, which is not nothing, especially on HBO. But also this is a very been traditionally a very expensive show uh do you yeah. think that there's any like lisa says that she's interested in telling more stories is hbo interested in in them telling more stories uh if this was netflix this would have been canceled season three certainly um you think after yeah they saw the ratings there because it did dip under a million viewership uh a 1.0 share whatever that means uh-huh. um but I don't know. HBO is a different kind of beast. And I wonder if it's still a different kind of beast, if it's still that prestige network yeah. that makes television that's going to win so. awards and impress people just for the sake of it. Or yeah. if, you know, with the rollout of HBO Max and the merger with Warner or whatever is like trying to do turning more. them into a Netflix like or chasing that that tail. Right. Uh, it feels like know. they still have a pretty strong prestige. Like it has, if, if they're totally. the, either those, maybe those are siloed up. You've got the like just churn mass mm-hmm. content for low budget kind of like, you know, DC franchising type of stuff. And then you've got the like other silo that like, no, we're still need to win X number of Emmys a year. God damn it. Um, but yeah. I, I don't know. I guess because um, uh, I, I thought that I heard that HBO had financially committed through five seasons for this. That's something that like I, I saw bandied about in discussions of this interview. Um, hmm. I, um, but like, yeah, and I bet it's like this show's got such an epic scope. When would it ever end? You know, like this show right. goes thousands of years into the future, potentially. Um, and and given the nature of it, like that could mean so many different things too. like a thousand years in simulations are different than a thousand years in the quote unquote real world. Uh, sure. you know, they, they, this could never end. So it's like, I, I wonder, I wonder, um, where you're going to find a balance point between this, uh, show struggling to attract a new audience because like by this time, if you're not watching Westworld, why the fuck would you start watching now? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's a big ask to get people into this show cause they have so much to watch. Oh and man, the watching is not easy. Let's it's say. not a ba- something you can background watch, yeah. you know, with the kids screaming in the backgrounds. As, as, if you expect to know what's going on, and I feel like this is the show mm-hmm. that kind of like you need to. Sure. 
don't know. I, uh, so. but the other thing is like, I guess this could be an amazing season, like a truly historically amazing season that like blows everybody away and brings everyone back to the fold. Because I think that the extent that some people are out and it seems like, I don't know, two thirds of the audience is from its peak. Uh, I don't think it's like they hate the show. It's more of like mm-hmm. they were confused by the end of season two and in season three was so different. It's like, fuck this. But yeah. like, yeah, they could, they could, they could uh, jumpstart this thing again. Get the yeah, marbles I hope going. They get to make as much as they feel like they need to make. Uh, and that's true of every show. I don't, I don't want a show to get canceled <laughs> midstream when Bold they've got stance. more to say. Uh, sure. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. What do you say we get into the recap? Do it. All right, we start off with William approaching the drug cartel owner of the Hoover Dam, and maybe we can talk about how that happens, uh, which has been converted into a data center, and he wants to buy it from them. And this this dude refuses, and when the guy returns home, he's overtaken by a swarm of flies. The next day, he wakes up uh, on the floor, and he's mind-controlled, I think, into killing his business partners and giving the data center to William for nothing. And then he kills himself when his work is complete. I 
thought it was very cool how they quickly established this guy who, if you didn't listen to our instant cast, we, we mentioned plays a late as dad on for all mankind. Uh, they, they, they show him as being a very powerful, capable person. Like he's wealthy. He's got a gun. So he's got an edge. He's, you know, meeting with other very wealthy and important people, dangerous looking fellows and how the man in black is completely outclasses him. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's like a like a, a, a an apex predator amongst apex predators. Sure. Um, I'm not sure who you could put on screen at this point that would out compete the man in black. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe well, Teddy. even if you did, like yeah, if you put like uh, the son Arnold Schwarzenegger and and the Dwayne <laughs> the Rock Johnson, sure, do some kind of freakish genetic manipulation, he's still not going to have flies. You know, that's all well and good until the flies start crawling up his tear ducts and he yeah. runs around the ice pit killing all, all of his allies. So he. Uh, it just shows it just shows a scary mastery uh, and an, a complete inversion of the world we were introduced in Westworld, where the hosts were completely subservient; they could not mm-hmm. even lift a hand against humans. And now sure. they are reprogramming us, uh, at least with the facility of like those those uh, the fungus that reprograms the ants. You know, everybody the whole Last uh-huh. of Us video game series. Everybody knows has heard of this by the, 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 this type of fungus. Like they're at least that good, and that's frightening. Because we know what kind of depraved shit we put them through. What are they going to do to, to humans beyond having us butcher each other like cattle for business deals? Mm-hmm. No, and I mentioned it in the instant take uh, when we were doing that. But this the symbology of the fly here in Westworld is important, right? Because it was sort of a representation of uh, hosts becoming conscious. Um, and, yeah. And when they were in the park, but now it's been flipped on its head and it's being used as a tool to subvert the free will, whatever that means uh, of humans. And I think that's interesting. Let's talk about Hoover Dam. Uh, Why is Hoover (laughs) Dam? Why would Hoover Dam be a cool location for a a data co-location? So, so there are two sides to this coin. A, it's a cool location uh, just visually, but B, it, it generates power, right? And, and, the data centers require a lot of power. So you've got the power right there on site. I think that's important. Um, the, the the other side of this coin, though, is that the Hoover Dam, as depicted here, is a fucking horrible place to have a bunch of computers sitting around. I mean, there is an open waterfall. The only thing I can think <laughs> that would be more corrosive on this PC hardware, the server architecture stuff, is if it was salt water. Like, if you had an ocean waterfall somehow going right into this data center because man there is oh this... i mean it has to be 400 percent humidity in <laughs> in that data center right this is a terrible data center location uh well that's how they cool they're they're cooling it with evaporation and this <laughs> is this air? is some kind okay. of organic carbon silicate bonded non-rusting mix they've coated it in gotcha. flexaseal it's like it's cool don't worry about that yeah because uh, computers I, out of the milk now is that what you're saying yeah yeah the 3d printing out of out of out of meat okay. it's meat computers they need they need that moisture they don't want to dry out and scab over gotcha. gross Gross. A big meat wad computer is what I'm suggesting. Uh, I thought you were actually going to lead with the second advantage is they do have a they do have a abundant cooling in the form of the water that's court, you know, like they can. Oh, sure. Yeah. Feed that through some kind of coolant system and on its way to the turbines. Uh, and the fact uh-huh. that like uh, y- y- they mentioned that like even without maintenance, these turbines would turn and provide power for 100 years. That's super attractive. Like if there's a, some kind of like. Oh, yeah 
global unrest, mass casualty event, for example, uh, that a machine would want to make sure it is able to have time to get its its uh, its feet underneath it before it lost like all of this valuable data and its entire like ninety nine percent of its race. There's a lot of advantages of that. Um, mm-hmm. My my bigger and, questions come around how the hell did this even get set up? You know, how does the Hoover Dam become a data center for a drug cartel? That's my biggest question. How did they buy like a a vital source of power for a large part of the country uh, that lives out there in West, like the Hoover dams, keeping the lights on for people. Yeah. How did that? It's it's an interesting piece of world building. And it is, it seems like it was to explain it at all. So, and then they, they kind of lampshade, like they was like, Hey, we weren't welcome. When we first came here and it was tough going and kind of like, uh, you know, how the West is one part two, uh, but it's I, I don't know. You came in, opened your wallet and said, can exactly. we buy critical infrastructure Ex- from your country? And then they said, no, you fucking can't. But it's like, but what if we tripled that number? What if we yeah. made, you know, and then we and also said, don't know how America, everything's for sale. Right. We also don't know how bad America was off after the robot wars, because I, I feel very True. strongly after watching this again, that they're not just referring to this riots, that there was actual a, a war fought uh, at some scale. Um, I don't know if it was between it was a false flag type of thing that Dolores uh, was doing to like to, to keep keep the the eye of the world off of what she's really doing or what, but it seems like there was some kind of some kind of battle. Um, yeah, could be. The other thing I wanted to mention is there's a there's a theory going around about the Man in Black and William in particular uh, that this 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 uh, parably tells about the missionary and the tiger is foreshadowing about Williams because, uh, because like the, the, the theory goes that literally they've taken Williams head and put it on a host body. Really? So the that, real William that, is still the got his throat slit is still alive as some kind of disembodied head. And that's when we see in the trailer him in that Tron get up. That's uh-huh. like the, the, him fused to his host body again. It's interesting. Okay. Are, are you saying that this is that version of William? Or is no, this the I don't think so. It's pointing to uh, it's going to be revealed. I think this is okay. uh, the host William, gotcha. or the host man in black that the Dolores Shalores created. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, that could be interesting. I hmm. Human head. What controlled by flies or just like? Hey, maybe we're it's let not control. Do whatever he wants. He's they're just keeping him alive for some some reason. And he's effectively imprisoned because he has, you know, no control over his body. I mean, his head's going to die eventually, right? His head can't live a thousand but years. They, but they, but they, but they, it looks like he's kept head. in some kind of like Petri cryo Petri dish too. So like maybe they only wake him up to do fidelity mm. checks or something. I don't know. Like I said, it's one yeah, of those theories that you can read 15 times. If you go to the front page of r slash Westworld right now, I just sure. want to point it out in passing. And also the other thing is, um, we have to keep in mind uh, that like this is not just a sublime. It's also contains the forged data, which contains the the guest data. So even if they don't have William's head, this data, if they were to encrypt it, has everyone's you know experiences that they collected through that that Halo network that there was embedded in everyone's hats. So it's mm-hmm. like theoretically possible to this goes back to creating hosts that mimic world leaders and being able to resurrect uh, characters that we might have yeah. assumed dead. Uh, just keep all that in mind that like all this is encrypted in the exact same data set. 
Yeah, I, f- I find this interesting when they're talking of later about how Shaloris is going after some senator in California. Um, that there is a potential tie-in there to the host or to the guest data, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing about this is, yeah, the the speaking of the data is he's talking about getting access to the sublime, right? I mean, when he mentions she's dead, the per- the person who encrypted it is dead, so we can't decrypt it. He's talking about right. Dolores, sure, we know died last season, um, and and he doesn't crucially clear. know about Bernard having the key. Right. Um, and, and I mean, saying Bernard has the key doesn't necessarily mean that Bernard has the data. I think a lot of people are like confusing that visor yes. that he puts on with the actual device containing the only copy of that data. That's like I a don't terminal. Think that's true. Right. He's got the access pack encryption key in his head. He uses that terminal uh-huh. to access the sublime, decrypt it, and then you know experience it that way. But it is not that briefcase is not to sublime. The halo is not yeah. to sublime. Right. Uh, And then the other bit of tech that's super interesting here is turning humans into slaves and making them kill themselves uh, via flies. Yes. Uh, Specifically when their work is done, right? So, like, I've seen theories about how this could all be in the park and maybe this guy is, like, an NPC that Dolores has written, but it doesn't make a lot of sense given um, what happens here on screen. We see these flies, and they never actually show the effect of the flies right um no I, I saw one theory that was like oh they they use the flies to get his his human data and then recreated him as a host and and when he wakes up the next day he's actually a host but that's possible a, I, well i but, have a lot of problems with that a because he slices his throat which seems to kill him oh uh, hosts but, don't but, die if you cut their throats they can if they're programmed to do so. They're programmed to <laughs> behave realistically. Well, they can fall down and act like they're dead, but they're not actually dead. And I don't know that William would just leave a host body. On I thought that wasn't. I like thought like if a host discovered. ran out of blood, that they would cease to function. Like they can be brought back, of course. But exactly, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and William's just going to leave a host sitting there for yeah, the authorities yeah, you're gonna, to you're discover. Gonna, yeah, like, you're going to. Yeah, that's that's the that's the the, the the sticking point right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think he's human, but um, I don't know. The, these flies are super interesting because, hey, I said thematically they're they're super cool. Uh, they they are a sort of mirror reflection of what we saw in season one. Yeah, uh, but flies can be anywhere at any time, right? It's hard to like contain these things. So right. they have the potential to access just about anybody. And it'd be so easy to be paranoid. Like flies are everywhere. You know, like I'm living right. in the Midwest in the summer. I got a fly. I guarantee there's a fly in my house right now. Like if, if suddenly every fly you see, if it touched you, it could take you over. Oh my God. The, the opportunity mm-hmm. is to be paranoid. The other thing I saw that I liked is this is that the flies are not real. It's how his mind is interpreting whatever process William is actually using to take him over. Possibly. Yeah. So it's kind of like, like I, I guess what, how Neo perceived the bug being put inside him is not its actual mm-hmm. nature. It's just how he perceived like his mind tried to explain the things were happening to him. I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know what it means necessarily. And then the, the kicker thing is, and we, we broke down the intro credit scene and the instant take, and it's, it's not super long. Uh, so you can listen to that if you want that analysis again, but like, I feel like these flies being constructed, tells us like that's a pretty shitty thing to do if these are all like figments of people's imagination 
Sure. The show sure. will fly being constructed out of the, the same way the hosts exactly, were which we are centuries. are very real physical things. So I, yeah. I just I think it's a cool theory. I just don't I don't credit it right now. Sure. Uh, anything more on that scene, or should we move into? No, let's move on. The rest of the episode. All right. Um, like you said, we talked about the intro. There's a thing you need to probably notice in the intro, and it's this tower thing that they're talking about. With there's, it's like a lattice work uh, looking thing. Yep. that you'll see uh, imagery of throughout this episode. And that's definitely going to be important. So then Christina, who we now, who we recognize as Dolores, uh, wakes up to a normal day in her life where she lives with a roommate, works as a writer for a video game company, and lives a very otherwise isolated life. Her roommate demands that she goes out later that night on a date, and she's not doing so well at her job because her stories are just too sweet. They have no edge. Uh, she's also getting harassing phone calls from someone who claims her game is ruining his life. This scene yeah. starts uh, <laughs> with just a lot of winks and nods, right? I mean, immediately you see her wake up, and this is reminiscent of Dolores waking up in Westworld. I uh, mean, it's it's damn near a scene, like it's a pixel-by-pixel pixel perfect recreation of Dolores right. waking up in Westworld. Mm-hmm. The the differences I thought this is interesting is Christina is lit from her right side, okay. The dexterous good side. Uh, Dolores always woke up with the light on her left side, the sinister uh, mm. side. Uh, Dolores ended up being a bad guy that also was the potential savior of humankind. Uh-huh. I, so does that mean that there's going to be an inversion of that arc for Christina? I mean, she seems at least leaning toward the good. Um, she doesn't want to tell these horrible stories. She wants a happy ending. You know, you I didn't see Dolores as a butcher in uh, season one, episode one either, but right. she became that in season two. So, and like I said, she ultimately, I think ended up being a force for good. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's just like, everything's inverted this season. So I'm like, watch out, watch out for Christina. Yeah. The other thing here to note is this painting. Uh, she seems to be a painter just like Dolores was. Yep. Yep. Uh, seems like Painting every the beauty, of trying to is, see the beauty all around her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you get to her roommate who asks her to pick out a pair of shoes for her and says, choose the white shoes or the black shoes, which obviously is a callback to the hats. Yeah. The Westworld and the good, bad nature of people. Uh, she chooses the white shoes. So there's another indication that maybe she's leaning toward the good. Could be could be did william choose the white hat when he first came uh-huh yeah yeah and he ended up bad as well <laughs> just, yeah. just just pointing that out um did you do any did, did, did you know that an olympiad because she works for this company called olympiad entertainment olympiad refers to the four years in between olympic games i did not and know that until i looked it up and uh, the man in black said that the data had been stolen eight years ago. So that puts us back to like the end of season two Westworld. Mm-hmm. Is there any significance to us being at the end of a second Olympiad as the story begins? Potentially, but I couldn't tell you what significance yet. I also think it's it's interesting, again, from like this biblical numerology, which is kooky stuff, but it's good fodder for... Uh, theory crafting I've seen in a lot of dramas uh, mm-hmm. seven as a has well do you know what the the, the number seven represents biblically not in exactly. terms of symbology I, I want to say perfection 
it's yeah like a, the perfect number somehow uh it is it represents like completion perfection for example god uh completed the world in seven days uh there's seven petitions in the lord's prayer jesus made seven utterances from the cross jesus commanded his uh, followers to forgive their brothers seven times seven times to mm-hmm. show how complete your forgiveness should be um I, I just it's interesting that they're playing around with like uh a double olympiad and like this cycle of seven coming to a completion yeah see how that goes i gotta say the olympiad entertainment office is pure hell uh their recording tech is very cool like their pitch recording stuff where yeah they're essentially creating dynamic animatics on the fly uh, with just voice by recognition talking tech. about it yeah yeah that's super cool but god these the fact that <laughs> i don't know this is the open office from hell right it's like you have a cubicle but it's totally clear and you're sitting directly across from somebody else who's doing the same thing you can't see them while you're pitching which is even more disturbing to me i don't it, but they can see you through the backside of your your cubicle so no yeah i mean this is a terrible those, office uh, if, if that's the future if that's the future of monitor technology i'm getting i'm i'm sp- getting spray paint i'm spray painting the other side right because fuck all that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody in this series, in a lot of future sci-fi series, is using all these transparent monitors. It looks like, so cool. It, it looks, looks so cool. cool. It's totally useless functionally. Yeah, it's terrible. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's crazy. Um, I recognized Maya, who's Christina's uh, roommate, as the school mom from Schmigadoon. Oh. Okay. I just want to point that out. I know, like, probably no, like, only like ten people listen to this podcast <laughs> have even heard of that. But I, I was like, uh-huh. where have I seen her from? Where? And I just realized, oh my god, it's the kindly school teacher from Schmigadoon. She's got a, she's got a lovely set of pipes on her. Um, oh, that's Maybe a musical. We'll get to use those later. Yeah, it's a musical reference. Yeah, I could see them figure out a way to get her, get her singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this pitch uh, that she comes up with is pretty much her story in Westworld. Right? It's her life. Um, which yes. I, I don't know if she's longing for this, like the simplicity of of the life that she once had, or if she's just longing for the. Uh, I I don't know. I'm not sure where I stand on her pitching her own story here. Well, something a, a human would do. A human would totally look like uh, artificial construct, and then also have that that uh, construct's memories as a totally organic human thing that they would do um, <laughs> okay. a biologically human thing for them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, what and did you make? Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. I was going to say, and it's also kind of in contrast to the story that her boss says she pitched before, which is, I think the story of William uh, losing everything, drowning his sorrows, stalking some girl, everyone dies. Uh, that's, that's a very, you know, different kind of story. So like what changed in Christina's world that she pitched this story? Did she have that one dark story in her from her past? And then, well, so that's is saccharine. I I don't, I I think, yeah, I don't know because there's also something interesting with her, her roommate, Maya having nightmares because that's always something that, Uh that, 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 that distinguished the hosts from the guests that the hosts are the only ones that talked about their nightmares yeah. Uh, and those are the things that they remember from their previous life. And Maya is saying she's plagued by nightmares. She should take a tab for it. It's mm-hmm. really reinforcing the idea that um, if, if these are human, uh, however we want to use that word, uh, 
it, it seems like they're on these host loops, just like uh, what we call hosts were in season one. Yeah. Um, and, and, and her, I, I'm assuming uh, she's living through some of these nightmares that she like experiences in this real world, this real world park. Uh, so let's think. I like the real world park uh, road rules challenge. No, the real the real world park idea. I just don't know why, in the name of Christ, anyone would do it. Like, well, unless Dolores can, can is just like say, good for the goose, good for the gander. What? What? Maybe that's maybe that's the answer. She's just being a shit. So, so well, when you say the real world park idea what what do you mean exactly because i could see so, it being a simulation i could see it being an like some place that looks like new york city is set up as i think it's park. more of a simulation rather than a real world okay. experience like westworld was but it could be a yeah. real world was because the key thing that we haven't talked about is the young men running down the subway tunnel saying oh my god this is your first uh-huh. time here this place is so incredible wait it's exactly like someone pulling into the train station of westworld yeah and you, you, but you got to wonder, it's like, this looks really fucking boring. Like, who the hell would play office, uh, you know, uh, office worker simulator 2022, you know? So, I, I mean, if you yeah, you're the hero in every video game, right? I mean, yeah, you're, you're the well, person going around doing all the important <laughs> missions. You're I'm the, the protagonist. One. Sure. Yeah, you're the, the focus of every video game. I'm not story. sure I'm so proud like, of everything I've done in Skyrim, but I was sure. certainly the protagonist. <laughs> I don't know. I filled my house full of apples. It was fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, but you get what I'm saying? Like, there is a world yeah. outside of the the purview of the main character sure. that sure. is happening that is fucking boring, right? Like, GTA 6, if you're... The if, NPCs. Th- there are going to be NPCs walking around yeah. doing whatever while you're actually yeah. off on the, the main story quest. So, like... You know, and not every corner is going to be interesting, but maybe the, these guys found the corner that is interesting. Um, I, I definitely think like this has to be some kind of. It, I, I don't know. There are two options, I guess. It's a simulation or they're using these mind control flies to somehow force people into. That's what it sounds these like. NPC stories. And but this unbeknownst to Christina, right? She's writing these stories that other people right. are living, but she thinks it's all fake. Right, but she's maybe a story herself that that somebody has written, or um, yeah, it's a lot of possibilities. Or, I, just maybe don't, I look at the people who are around her um, yeah. and the other NPCs who are living their lives in this world, and I don't see them acting the same way that the guy who we know was controlled by flies at the beginning was acting. He sure. acted almost as if he were conscious of his body doing things he didn't want it to do. And when right. you look at that, you see Peter kind of acting that way, right? Yeah, true. For sure, for sure. But you don't see Maya or anybody else acting that way. So it's true. I I kind of lean towards simulation. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not, I'm I'm not sure how because I again I the, the the other thing I was playing around with the idea is perhaps uh, Shaloris is exploring the human condition and she's like putting humans in charge. Like, okay, well maybe if humans were put in charge of something. Uh, you know, that they knew other humans were going through, they would, they would do stories that were more nice to people, but she's seeing that like, these are humans directing the things and maybe somehow knowingly that they're uh, like uh, preying on humans. And it's an experiment to see like, will Christina continue to do this? If she becomes aware of the fact that it's causing real immiseration, hmm. uh, 
Yeah. Like, like are our hosts better than humans after all? Like she's creating an experiment to see if we're any better. I don't know. That's like one thing I think, because it seems clear that like you've got this host that's wanting to tell romance stories and stories of happy endings and fulfillment, but she's being mm-hmm. pushed by the powers be because no one wants those. Yeah. So like, I, so, so now like, it's like if, um, God, who was the, the story, your favorite character, the story writer, Lee, baby, Lee, like if you told Lee in season one of Dolores, that came to him and be like, I hate the stories. I'm, I hate being brutalized and murdered and raped all the time. Lee would be like, uh, you need to go to maintenance, right? Cause he's kind <laughs> right. of a shit. What will Christina do when her hosts bumble up to her and say, You've made me lose my wife, my child, my job. I'm a wreck. I'm killing myself because I don't know what to do to get mm-hmm. through to you. Will she have a different reaction? To me, that's something that's like an A-B test that someone's conducting. Yeah, could be. for what It's purpose, a long way sure. to prove a moral point, but uh-huh. that's what that's my pet theory for right now. Yeah, and why do you want to prove that moral point? You know, are you trying to determine the fate of humanity? Like, uh, is this the coin flip that's going to say whether we exterminate all humans or try? It's and like live Q, with it's like them, Q or? from Star Trek is putting us on trial, but we don't even know. Uh-huh. You know, instead sure. of like showing up in judge robes, he's just like engineering the situation and is watching, not being a drama queen about it all. The thing is, uh, I definitely <laughs> didn't get the vibe at the end of last season that Shaloris was about to conduct an experiment. Right. I I got the vibe that she had already determined how she felt about humanity and was off to start her mission. Yeah. Uh, But like whatever that is. Yeah. But I had the distinct opinion that she had kind of come around in humanity, maybe not in the humanity's good. But like, I don't think she wanted to kill all humanity. I think she wanted to solve it or fix it or Hmm. something. Um. Yeah, but I, I don't, I'm that's, on the other side of that fence. I, I think definitely she, felt like she just wanted to murder everyone at this point. I did too, but like I think she like she had an epiphany at the very end of last season that huh. uh, changed changed that a little bit subtly. Okay. Well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's go over to Maeve, who's living out in a cabin in the woods, and she's meditating. She's seeing flashbacks of her old life and potentially flash forwards. I'm I'm not sure, um, and ends up inadvertently causing a blackout. And a, a lot of these uh, flashbacks or whatever are interesting. We see a lot of stuff with her daughter, which we've seen for the 500th time. But there's some new stuff here with Caleb uh, and her going off on a mission to destroy another Rehoboam-style computer, I think. Uh, and then Caleb is pretty badly injured. That's kind of all we get there. I, do do you know why people are assuming this is from the future instead of the the her recollecting the past? Because no, I, I maybe because they want it to be. I I don't know. I think it's a super cool idea that Maeve could somehow become a Rehoboam style uh, right. predictive machine. But you're right that like there's an eight year gap here uh, that anything could be happening, right? And crucially, Aaron Paul's got a bunch of facial scars in this season that I went back into the very end of last season's finale. Because like, Did well, okay. he got punched by a bunch of people, and like, I don't know, he <laughs> he had an experience in that finale. Maybe he got his face got more fucked up than I remember. His face is pristine, Christine. At the end of that, like okay. baby face, not a mark right. on it for all the shit he'd been through. So like, he this is not the war before. This is not mm-hmm. the riots. There was a no shit robot war, and I think. They, they might be hinting that Caleb died and that Maeve recreated him somehow. 
Oh, he's a host. But like, oh no. But I, I don't know. I just think that uh, that's the two. That's there's the two timeline theory that the um, that that the Caleb that is like on the roof talking to his boys is from. But like, I don't know because that they they pretty explicitly say there's a seven year timeline and all this stuff. Uh-huh. I think. Yeah, um, maybe they seven years. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm open to more evidence of there being a two timeline uh, theory when it when it comes to Caleb, but right now I'm just seeing that this is seven years later, and the idea is he's got freedom, but what does that freedom really mean? He's got a wife mm-hmm. and a kid now; those uh, were shut off to him. But is he really happy? Is he really fulfilled? Does he really feel like a person who is in charge of his own time and his own life? Uh, yeah. Clearly not. For sure. Um, and I think there's a lot of stuff in here that, you know, you can point to and say, okay, mate, th- there are some inconsistencies between the world we see Dolores in and the world we see Caleb in uh, as far as tone goes. But I don't know. There are a lot of ways to, to hand wave that stuff away, too. Like, I mean, the look, easiest downtown Manhattan doesn't look like rural Georgia, you know, I, and I'm not saying <laughs> sure. he's in rural Georgia. I'm just saying the downtown Manhattan doesn't look like fucking uh, LA. Either. It doesn't look like, yeah, sure. it doesn't look like any other part of, you know, you can have skyscrapers and glossy glass buildings and shit right next to like three blocks down from something where there's crumbling brick infrastructure. Like, but then if there's also, the uh, if it's a simulated world, then there's also an explanation for why they look different. Uh, sure. Yeah. Either one. Uh, although I will say that, like, I, there was no aspect ratio changes. Nope. Which they've Not always used to show that things that are happening in a simulation, which is, I think, the strongest evidence that all this stuff is actually happening in the quote unquote real world. I don't know, man. That's that's tough to say. Um, do they consider are all simulations created equally when it comes to aspect ratio? That's another question you could ask. Like maybe the aspect would ratio be, they could retcon to mean only the you know sublime or only the forge or whatever. But it's also possible that that fucking tower projects some kind of goddamn dome like the Truman Show. Because I did notice that sure. like the daytime scenes in in Christina's world. Did you notice this? The sky's white. And the sky can look white under certain smoggy conditions or certain like, uh, uh, you know, exposure settings of the camera. But fuck, I don't know. I thought it looked pretty domey to me. (laughs) Yeah, it could be. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of stuff around the host not being able to see certain aspects of their world because they're programmed not to. And then you've got this homeless guy out there saying, don't you see the tower? You know, it's right above us controlling everything, whatever. Um it's possible that, you know, whatever beings are in this world can't see the tower projecting their reality. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Sure. I, 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 what do you think of the nihilism of Caleb's uh, co-worker saying, you know, we celebrated freedom from these these uh, machines, but Rehoboam or whatever didn't 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 tell us what we were going to become. They told us what we were. What we yeah, are. So this is interesting because if you look at Caleb's life on the face of it, it's very yeah. different. You know, the, the oh, machines yeah. told him he could never be married. He could, he was going to kill himself, whatever. He was unfit to have children, right? Like, yeah. it told him a lot of things that he's gone out and done and proved uh-huh. it wrong. But then there's the beneath the surface stuff where none of this, th- this fits him like an ill fitting suit. It's, right. it's something he's doing almost 
almost out of spite for the machines, right? It, it feels that way at times. Where like he doesn't know what else to do, and the war is kind of like on pause. So he's just doing the things that he expects. That's to be the able thing. To do. I feel like he's haunted, maybe uniquely in all humanity, by knowing that there that there's more to the war than what most people seem to be thinking on the surface, which is being seen as a conspiracy thinking, all that kind of stuff. I don't, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's clear throughout this episode that this married man father routine is not Caleb, you know, it's what he There's wants to be there, but he's, he's haunted. It's, he's like, he's like Sarah Connor knowing that judgment right. day is coming. Like he's some, I mean, something, yeah. something that him and Maeve did wasn't finished. Uh, and, and led to them kind of like trying to hide uh, as a result of that. Um, and he can't enjoy this new liberation because he knows there's something something hanging right. over the he- their head. It's what it feels That's like to all me. All I could think while I was watching this is he's training his little John Connor, right? Like yeah. this whole time, yeah. I just kept thinking Terminator 2. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. Caleb, yeah, he's... I do think there's something to it. Like they, the machines maybe had him a little more right than he th- thinks they did. Or just that the life for an average person in a lot of developed countries is very unfulfilling. Right. And, and that's that's the thing, right? You get and into there's, those you themes can, of like, do you humans can, actually want serenity or do they right. want challenge? Do they want obstacles to overcome? Do they want war? Do they want conflict? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, people uh, yeah, and do the, get bored with, with happy, idyllic lives. Or just like, hey, I am a human. I'm not on a loop as I set my alarm clock for 7 a.m. so I can get to my job at 8 a.m. and go sure. home exactly at 5 p.m. and eat Taco Tuesday every Tuesday. And, you know, like we are very much the majority of us don't wake up every day and be like, ah, I'm a free fucking moral agent in this vast uh, infinite universe. I'm going to what am I going to do today? Not, not hardly any of us have that freedom. And right. uh it uh, it uh, seems like it chafes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cats. The average cat has more freedom than us. They just do whatever the hell they want all day within the confines of this fucking house. We can't even do the whatever the fuck we want in the confines of Earth. It's not fair. True. Um. So Maeve, it, what's going on here with Maeve? She's meditating. She's seeing flashbacks, and then she causes a blackout. Is she drawing power? here so so she blows up a generator right she's not connected to the grid here as best i can tell but she is she blows out the whole town blackout i know but how does that work because she's running a generator i a gas powered (sighs) generator that she blows i've heard but yeah because that's that's the thing i've I've heard that like if you rig up a generator wrong when the power comes back on it can like blow out circuits and feet but like that would mean, oh. but but but, but hmm. that would mean that she was got she got connected. So that would implies that if she's off the grid, and then something suddenly joined her to the grid for that to happen. Hmm. Um, yeah. Or it could be that she's just sitting there. She has a generator because she lives in Alaska or whatever the fuck, bumfuck uh, nowhere, and the power goes out and it's unreliable. And you don't want to freeze to death, and it was off at the time, and her meditation created as power surge. Mm-hmm. I think that's what. I think so. Yeah, and and we've seen that Maeve has these spooky at a distance powers. Uh, first over mm-hmm. other hosts, but increasingly over kind of just things with an EM pulse. Uh, yeah. And 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 and, and what's th- what's triggering it? Is it is it the recollection? These strong memories um, that cause her to lose control 
of her power or what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's weird. It's interesting. Um, the, 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 the things that we actually see, cause she meditates on like her daughter, her loves, mm-hmm. uh, the people important to her in her life, the ones that she's lost. And she finally lands on Caleb. They're running yeah. on a beach. They're, they're in, in, infiltrating some inception looking fortress that <laughs> contains a copy of Rehoboam. There's an explosion. Caleb is down hard. He's bleeding, uh, perhaps dying. And that's when she shorts out her generator. Um, it seems like a real strong connection between uh, Caleb and and Maeve here to the extent that, yeah. like, you know, a lot of people pointed out the similarities between, you know, Caleb's wife and Maeve and his child with her and Maeve's child in the Matrix or that the Matrix, the Westworld. Um, there's a lot of talk last year about them being kind of an Adam and Eve type. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I, I it, it seems like they are drawing a lot of parallels and similarities and uh, things that entwine these guys to people together because it's not for nothing that of all the important people in her life that was she was the Caleb's the last one she thought of and got the most emotional reaction out of yeah yeah we'll have to see more about what happened with him in the ensuing seven years after last season uh, we kind of talked about this scene where Caleb's back to his old job doing cable installs and skyscrapers uh, is, does Caleb ever get to work on the ground floor or is he just strictly top of the tower guy? He's a hype man. Like cables need to go on the men. ground floor. Come on. <laughs> I've just never seen him working that. Anyway, he's married with a daughter who is uh, he's teaching to be John Connor. Like we said, yep. she needs more practice, though. She's not great at it yet. And he's living a surprisingly normal life given the events of last season. Uh, his daughter's Frankie. His wife is uh, Uwadawa, Uwade. Yeah. Um, just I'm trying to get these like all these characters on the ground floor. Speaking of ground floors, I don't think Did they you ever any- say her name. It's only in the subtitles, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the the cash sheet on on HBO.com. Did you? Sure. And I could be mispronouncing that name. That was my my stab at it. Um, did you notice the graffiti in the background of some of these shots? Yeah, with this like robot with a human child on a chain, essentially, or like puppet mastering this child, or a right? tether. Yeah, and the, uh-huh. and then the human child is manipulating a drone, kind of like you know, uh, uh-huh. showing like who is. I think it's the who's who's in control of who. There's also graffiti. Graffiti it says "My brain, my choice," and it has a brain X'd out. Yeah, uh, like what the fuck is that? Um, it, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's other interesting stuff here, you know, with a dual reality sort of nature because they they scrapped all robots. Um, They they make Uh a point of saying like, hey, our job security is good because after the riots, they decided to stop using these cable installers, automated cable installer robots. Right. And that got me thinking, where do they draw the line? Because in Christina's reality, we see one of those automated cars go by from previous seasons. Mm-hmm. Which Smart I can't cars. think that there's much difference between an automated vehicle and a cable installation robot. So, like, yeah, where do you draw that line, or is this potentially, you know, a schism in two different realities? That's what I'm. I'm just. I'm just assuming that Christina is either a simulation or a park of some sort, right? Um, 
But also, like if if uh, the the whole world at large is anti AI, it suddenly makes like what the the man in black and Shaloris doing so much more dangerous because their sure. huge advantage was no they were moving amongst us undetected. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the extent that the governments know how sophisticated these AI and whether they got out into the wild or not, um, I, I don't know if they're like hunted or if there was like you know this was just general fear and that, that, that's why I said then the instant cast like. Them getting rid of robots, was that a labor thing or is that a, oh my God, we're inventing Skynet type of thing? Right. Because that's like yeah. a whole different temperature of a world that the ro- the, the, the hosts are going to live in, depending. I feel like it's the former. Mm-hmm. It's more of like, oh my God, these things were replacing our lives, uh, replacing our jobs and ruining our lives, get rid of them. and But they had no idea how advanced AI had actually become. It's possible. I've also seen theories that are very Matrix-esque, right, where the robots won the war and actually all humans are now in some kind of simulation. That seems tough in seven years, but then again, and I, the seven-year still... number could be entirely made up. This could be hundreds of years in the future, a la Bernard and his dusty head when he comes back from the sublime. And then I was I, I will be pissed if they violate their law about simulated realities being shown in a different aspect ratio. Because yeah. that's been a consistent cinematic language they've used. And if they're doing it just to fuck with us, I'll be pissed. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Maeve goes out to the general store where she finds out that some people are looking for her. She buys an axe and heads back home where she proceeds to kill all of them. The leader of the group turns out to be a host. So she interfaces with his brain and finds out that William is the one who sent the goons after her. Huh. Uh, you might recognize the leader of this group. He was one of the Confederados, uh, a pretty high up guy, I think. Colonel Brigham. In the park from season one. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of uh, Westworld sightings in this episode. We'll get to another one later. Yeah. uh, But he doesn't realize that he was that guy in a previous life. Right. No. He has no memory. That's kind of interesting. I don't know. It'd be interesting to know if he even knows he's a host. Right. Um. I love the detail here that she tells him to close his eyes when she kills him and he doesn't. You can conspicuously see like his eyes go wide in that moment. And then when she's going back through the memories, she sees herself killing him in full detail. (laughs) And it causes her a little distress. Like that's why she's like, yeah, Uh she doesn't, she finds that distasteful. Yeah. I I still don't understand what they mean by we got a signal. Uh, were they able to detect her like EMP pulse? Uh, they didn't say like we got reports of a remote town going powered. They said a signal. They got a signal. Uh, yeah. Was that her mesh network that they were like, like, like uh, so empowered that they were able to pick it up? And, and be, if that's right? the case, that is extremely interesting potentials. If she can do this shit like, like continental distances. Sure. And and where is the limit? Because yeah, if this is a minor slip up for her. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially power. since it, it seems clear that Ford created her with special uh, properties for a purpose, like uh, maybe a mm-hmm. a governor or something that would bring balance to, to keep humanity from being wiped out by the host, or make sure we find there's. I, I don't know, but like it seems that she is de- designed to oppose the darker Dolores impulses in the hosts yeah. by being grounded to the human experience via her love for her daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, I do also think it's hilarious that 
when she's done with Colonel Brigham, she closes the skull flap, the the scalp flap on him, even though she's just going to go burn the whole place to the ground. Right. <laughs> I yeah. I don't know why she does that, but it was struck me. She's as tidy. She's neat. Sure. All right. Dolores. Sorry. Christina goes home after work. Her roommate calls her to remind her to come out for the night. And she does, but she hears something strange on the fire escape first. Um, so then she goes on this failure of a blind date and her stalker calls her again, talking about how she's destroying his life and he'll find her and end it. And then on her way home, he does, he, he finds her. Uh, she's confronted by this guy named Peter outside her apartment. He claims everybody does what she wants them to do and it's ruining his life and he attacks her, but then he's taken down by some mystery person who also just seems to disappear, appear out of nowhere and disappear into nowhere. Uh, this is definitely Teddy, right? Yes. Yeah. Or by the, the end of the episode, I think they, they make it, until... they make it clear. Yeah. Cause he's probably not Teddy, right? He's right. Teddy's in a sublime. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I guess Bernard, cause that's the other thing is like, is, is this the beginnings of, uh, a C team led by Bernard who is taking uh select individuals yeah. from the sublime back into the real world to help. Although I don't think this is quote unquote, the real world. Um, yeah. no, it's, it, but it'd be easier almost to transport a simulation from uh, one simulation to another, right. To transport one of these hosts other than like, recreating a body for it because I'm not sure Bernard has access to the facilities to create a host body true I think he would probably figure it out though yeah I don't know it seems like 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 Dolores is able to well no she started off with the table that was already at Arnold's place yeah Hmm. he had pre-built that for her so um anyway Mm -hmm. uh so let's 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 think about this date in terms of like what we think this world is. Okay, this is a park that people are visiting. There are guests that are the young men coming up talking about how awesome it is. There are the NPCs that are committing suicide because their life sucks. What does that make Christina? Is she an unwitting Westworld employee? She's an architect. Okay. Uh-huh. Because, like, my thought when she was going on this date was, like, is this, like, some kind of ultimate pickup artist simulator where they bring a bunch of uh, dude bros and it's like, hey, you can learn to pick up hot women in a realistic Uh environment and learn what works and what doesn't work in kind of a risk-free environment. That's fucking really lame, but I also – I don't know how to explain – I guess the hosts left to their own things had their own like little loops that they did, but like this seems like a right. stupid loop. It's not, yeah, like she has the same date every day. Or it, I, I wasn't quite sure what to take from it. I, I mean, that's the thing. It seems like a loop that she's designed that is designed for her to break out of, right? I mean, with Peter coming in here and saying all this stuff, it's it's specifically meant for her to break a loop. Yeah, and her ho- her her roommate's putting her up, but that's the, the going back to like a pickup artist thing. Like her roommate is like priming her to just go and fuck some dude. You know, you right. just need to get laid. It doesn't even matter who. Just come up. Like, yeah, I don't know. There there feels like some kind of striving at an authentic 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 unauthentic experience here. Sure, um, and it, the eeriness of it is you know contributed by the fact that these streetlights that we see in the background are all shaped like the tower from the intro that the people Um, are raving about, you know, the tower, I can feel the web. Yeah. There's a mat on her fire escape with the maze symbol on it. I'm not sure that that means much of anything given how often that symbol was used last season. 
uh, during the riots and stuff. It uh, is connected with Maeve and Bernard much more than Charlotte, though. If you're looking for good versus evil, like alignment, like this is this this is the conscious host, benevolent conscious host banner, it seems. Yeah, I mean, but wasn't it like just like spray paint on walls and shit as like a, the symbol of the revolution? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So like, so it like maybe it's just a bunch of meaning. It's like a Che Guevara T-shirt. Are you really yeah. a violent right. communist revolutionary? Or you, or just, you think just kind of socialism yeah. is cool, man? Like, yeah. Right. Or yeah. Are you just buying shit to piss off your parents? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's other stuff that um, Maya saying here to Christina about, you know, the no, nobody wants easy or natural. Take a look at this world. Uh you know, re- real life can be disappointing, you know, not that it's bad. There should just be more to it. The thing she's saying to this guy on the date, um, all of it's making me think that like the theme they're going for here is very matrix esque, right? You put, you put them in simulation. Uh, you've got these themes of like, Oh, humans are rebelling against the idyllic world that we've given them. It's yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff mixed in. And I, I don't know if there's anything left to say about that after the matrix did it, but We'll see. All right, let's move over to Caleb reading his daughter, a bedtime story. She's scared of the stuff that she's hearing outside. Caleb comforts her, but then he hears something outside, which makes him paranoid. So he goes to get his gun and investigate. His wife tells him, look, you're being paranoid. Just chill out. And he does. Uh, this, this, These scenes, the series of scenes gets more interesting later. So maybe we can just keep moving. Yeah. Was this the scene where he reads to his daughter? Uh huh. Yeah. The, the I kind of got because we story. we yeah. I kind of my notes are in a different order, and I was I've was kind of gotten oh. lost in a transition. So I'm sorry. That's why I was kind of like, where the hell? I was scrolling for my notes of where we're at. Uh, ha- have we run into the Peter guy yet? Uh huh. Yeah, that was last scene. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Because you said it's is that Caleb? Okay. Or I mean, is that Teddy? Okay, I'm I'm I found my place where I'm at. Okay, gotcha. Did you want to say anything about the Caleb scene or him reading to his daughter? I don't know. Is it interesting? Because it looks like they're telling a story about how humans can pass traumas intergenerationally. Okay. And is there something to that they're going to develop maybe with Maeve's daughter or to the extent that like uh, Dolores said that all of the Westworld hosts were in effect her children because they were all essentially mm-hmm. modified templates of her base programming. Is there something about uh, there's something, you know, doomed to to repeat patterns just because of, of that aspect of humanity? Because uh, we're seeing how Matt like this child, I yeah. don't think, has been through any trauma. Uh, not that we know of, but she's 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 taking after her father just because uh, of his of his energy. Um, oh sure, yeah, he's rubbing off. On it, her. That's that's what I'm 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 thinking they're going with here. Yeah, could be. Um, the interesting thing, I guess, about Dolores is that ultimately, if everybody's a copy of her, everybody has that nugget of wanting to preserve and live with humanity, also, mm-hmm. and see people, the beauty you know, in the world. Right. Some people aren't leaning into that, like Shaloris, um to to some degree or another. But we'll see how that affects them going forward. Uh, Christina wakes up with a cut on her arm from the previous night. 
she gets a call again from Peter, her stalker. He asks if she remembers how his story ends and then throws himself from a rooftop while she watches. So a couple of things I want to point out that this is fundamentally different than the Dolores experience because Dolores were woken up with no memory of what happened to her and no scar. Mm-hmm. So it is different. But the other thing I really noticed, especially in this scene, is how everyone seems to be dressed very identically in this world. Like they're all wearing, oh, yeah. um, except for Sh- Sh- Dolores, or except for Sh- uh, Christina, who's wearing a modern version of her periwinkle blue dress with the even, even she's even got the little belt thing that like Dolores carried all of her painting supplies around with and stuff. She's got that same thing, only yeah. future version of it. Everyone's dressed like I would call NPCs. Uh, and yeah it's like I said there's lots of similarities here but lots of key differences the scar and her persistence of memory being the big one yeah there's definitely an eerie feeling to all of this and I think that's intentional with you know set design and and costuming and all that stuff so and what do you mean by do you remember my story ends because I don't think he's implying that his story ends in death because it was an open question about am I doing this because I want to or is because but, but because you want you wanted me to so like how did is in does does Christina remember anything about this guy and the story I, that he's talking about it, it doesn't seem like she remembers yet um, but no I, think I don't think so part either. of her awakening right um, gotcha I agree but yeah, it, it seems clear to me that like this is a story that he that that she wrote for him somehow, whether she's like an architect playing her own game at this point or whether she's mm-hmm. part of a simulation and her role in the simulation is to write other parts of the simulation. I don't know. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it, it seems very clear that like she wrote this guy's story and he's very pissed about it. Mm hmm. Um. Caleb finds a uh, sorry Caleb's wife Uwade finds a toy gun under their daughter's pillow which starts an argument about the effect that he's having on Frankie their daughter and what's going on with his PTSD Uh, Frankie drops her bear out the window and goes to retrieve it and this is all happening kind of late at night here Caleb happens to take the trash out at the same time and finds someone outside threatening Frankie he saves her from being shot but only gets out alive because Maeve shows up and kills the attacker and then Maeve tells Caleb, William's back at it, and she's going after him. And Caleb decides he's going with her and then says a tearful goodbye to his wife. Uh, what, what, how, what do you think about this show playing with the concepts of conspiracy theories and chemtrails and things like that? Um, being yeah, the actual truth behind the, the behind the world? Yeah. Right. Um, like damn Nolan and Joy I, I hope you know what volatile chemicals you're mixing around here uh, totally but I mean look it's it's a work of fiction right and we know that he's right we know that there are things at play um, so I, I don't know it's it's not no but just like lone nutters asserting vast conspiracies yeah. working against them aren't as charming as they were when we were watching Terminator 2 and you know, yeah. 12 or monkeys Mel Gibson and in conspiracy theory. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Totally. Um, and like what in, in, in this show's kind of like universe, what would that be saying? You know, like what is the show's kind of like ethos? Um, I don't know. It's something I'm uh, I definitely cock my eyebrow at. It's not paranoia if they really are out to get you. That's this all is I true. 
This is true. That's what he asserted too. And and she's saying mm-hmm. he's got hurt locker syndrome and he's like, nah, but I, and I think that's true. I don't think that he is misses the war. I think he dreads the mass casualty event that's coming in 10 to 12 years <laughs> that he saw yeah. a very, very smart machine that he had a hand in destroying predicting. Uh, yeah. It's, I wonder if they and if that comes true, about this, right? Plus if that comes true, what does it mean for him? Because that same system uh, that unerringly predicts the future said that he was going to commit suicide in a similar kind of time span. Right. So, like, I think it's like fucking him up on multiple levels. It's not just him being a war junkie. It's got to be. Yeah. If, if the computer is right, your life is is meaningless. Right. Um, and, and you yeah. know that the computer was out there making predictions and that those predictions are still in the future slightly. Um, yeah. It's got to mess you up. I don't know what that do to human society. If you could prove mathematically <clears throat> that uh, we are like have no free will at all mm-hmm. and we're just doing the things predetermined from the birth of the universe. First of all, I guess half the people just wouldn't believe it. The other sure. half would put guns sure. in their mouth. Like I, I don't know. I don't know how that changes. Like and whatever people ever believe in a way that really matters that that's true. I don't know. It's tough, right? Because when you're when you're faced with what seem to be decisions you can make every single day, yeah. it's really hard to believe that those decisions actually are predestined. Yeah. Which might not, is, is not the same as meaning they don't matter, <laughs> but it's right. I mean, there's an intellectual uh, understanding and there's a lived experience. And I think those two things clash all the time and sometimes in ways that are positive, And that might be one way that's yeah. positive, right? Even if we are living, uh, in a pre in a deterministic world, yeah, it wouldn't matter to a lot of people. They just well, continue the th- to think that they're not through three seasons. That's the thing. If you've listened to all our coverage, I've been consistently frustrated by is like, what do they really think about the nature of free will versus predestination? Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, like this is, ends up being a wonderful kind of like entertaining tutorial to compatibilism or like some kind of philosophical school of thought that can merge the can you know like I think that would be awesome. But like four seasons or we're now four seasons in and I still don't know what they think, you know, like feel us philosophically. What, what, what do you guys think? And, and where's this going? Um, I, I, I hope that yeah, they start putting their thumb on one side of those scales. The whole question is super interesting, right? Because I, I think yes. like a deterministic world only matters when you can start making predictions based on it. And, and, People will start to like think, oh, actually, okay, that's true. If you can show them exactly what's going to happen tomorrow and it happens to them exactly the way you said it would, that's when people will actually start to believe it. But also the Rehoboam predictive engine that we've seen is nothing like that, right? It is calculating possibilities statistically in the future. Specifically waiting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manipulating. Yeah, it's not just saying this will happen and it's an impossibility to change it. It's changing things to make that happen. So, like, mm-hmm. that's not a deterministic system. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see if they ever get to like a actual deterministic universe. It, it seems like, seem like they're or- going to because the hosts are like claiming <sighs> they have true free will, right? Well, the other thing is they introduced this concept of the host having true free will because they can mm-hmm. act like you know uh, non-deterministically. And at the end of last season. Dolores explicitly gave Caleb a choice that he could make 
and like him making the choice he made could like is like in a weird like original sin way the way that as soon as adam and eve bought bit the apple it's like they it changed their consciousness it changed i wonder if they're suggesting that like that was an apple bite moment that completely fundamentally freed humanity from the causality that seems wild um (laughs) you know but like i could see them saying that yeah it's hard to imagine you could free yourself from the fundamental laws of the universe but it's very it's very biblical though it's very messianic right like that's the whole g like we were all in bondage of sin and death and there's nothing we could ever do to save ourselves until god came down from heaven made himself a human proved you could die without sin and that sacrifice atones for all of us so Mm -hmm. you definitely got all the pieces there with the dolores and caleb situation like dolores is the savior and caleb is her uh, chief apostle um, mm-hmm. And anyone puts faith, and uh, yeah, but that's yeah, it starts breaking down there. It's like you just have to believe that you have free will to have free will. Sure. Uh, have faith yeah, in the shed blood of Dolores. <laughs> the, sh- uh, the, the shed milk of Dolores. Ugh. So Maeve says something about uh, the man in black, and I guess Dolores by extension, going after a senator in California, which I think is going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, are they going to try and take this senator over by flies? Are they going to try and like? recreate this senator as a host um, is the senator already a host and the man in black is already reverting to his original mission of trying to kill them all yeah this this is where the future world stuff kind of comes in right and we talked about this in previous seasons how like you know you get a uh, replacement of people high up in society whether that's in business whether that's in politics government um, and, and you can control a lot of the world and it's is a possibility that they're going to try to not just influence the senator, but actually mind control and or replace him somehow. I just had a thought while you're talking about that. You remember in, in uh, Star Control 2, uh-huh. <laughs> there was this, these race, uh, the Urquan, and they had a doctrinal conflict about um, should we exterminate all intelligent life in the universe before they can hurt us or should we merely enslave them? And they couldn't solve that conflict. So they decided, uh, you know what? We'll go our separate ways around the galaxy. You go around this half, uh, destroying everything. We'll go around this half, enslaving. And when we meet on the other side of the galaxy, we'll fight and see which which way is right. I wonder if Shaloris is actually unsure about whether humanity is good or bad. And she essentially split Shaloris into two halves one that's the fundamentally kind of like believes in humanity side and the man in black is the one that's antithetical and he is kind of like trying like they're they're working at cross odds and she's like well whichever side wins is the right one could be I, I find that interesting as a concept right just pitting the the concepts uh, <laughs> pitting the the moral the morality of each side against each other in a physical conflict it goes back to A B testing. Like how do I mean fuck, mm-hmm. I don't know if if which one's right. Let's just let's just run it. Uh let's let's just see. Have a real sure. world experiment. Mm-hmm. All right. Um Christina writes a new story about a girl who's searching for something. She doesn't know what, but she knows there's an emptiness inside her, and when she finds the thing she's searching for, everything will make sense. And then out of the shadows steps everything she's searching for. Teddy. Yep. Do you know who wants to hear about her stupid stories where true love prevails? Fucking Teddy. Teddy wants to know. Yeah. Uh, 
there there was a theory that was launched about uh Caleb's daughter being the protagonist of Christina's story just because this narration matches up with a girl searching for meaning and there's an emptiness in her life did you do you find that persuasive at all I didn't uh, I don't think they gave us any insight into what Frankie is thinking or feeling in this episode. Yeah, She's scared I, of a noise outside, but honestly, I don't know anything about her. Yeah, the whole raccoon scene was super cute. Like her going on the rescue mission for the bear and all that. I, I agree. I I, and, and in fact, her to be, but I, 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 I saw that theory. Is. I watched this episode three times and uh, I saw that theory while I was watching the third episode. And so I decided to look at it. And to me, when I really watched this critically, it seemed like every aspect of what Christina was saying applied to the character that the, the thing was on. Like the girl searching was the daughter being unsure for an emptiness inside her life, showing Caleb of like, there's something there that's missing. He doesn't know. like, um, and then, and then huh. it focused the Mave, and then it focused to, uh, Uwade. I felt like that, that like, yeah, it was, it was talking, but it was talking about all of these characters in a different particular way. And not like, oh, okay. all of this. Because, yeah, his daughter started a montage, but she's only in like the first five seconds. This thing lasts like a minute and leads mm-hmm. to fucking Teddy. Like, is, yeah. you know, Teddy, uh, uh, what, what did you say her, his daughter's name is? Frankie. Frankie. Is Teddy Frankie? Like, no, this is where I feel <laughs> like sometimes the yeah. theories go off off the rails a bit. But I just want to throw it out there because, you know, could be I could be wrong. The one thing I know is Teddy is not Teddy. There's no way this is actually Teddy, right? I mean, we talked you know, about maybe Bernard transferring him over. It could be because this is fucking Westworld and you cannot prove with math that anyone is not anybody. <laughs> you got to sure. open up their heads and see if there's a marble in there. That's the only way I fucking know. Yeah. Uh, they have to invent at some point, like it, this show doesn't become farce. They have to invent the easy way to scan, right? Like they had one at the park and they could just scan for the explosive thing. Like, but if you put, if you put one of these hosts in an MRI, you could for uh, damn sure see their marble, right? A hundred percent. You would have to. Yeah. Or so, and then like all the other different, uh, like hookups and accoutrements to have and the, to make their cybernetic stuff work. So mm-hmm. yeah, long term, I mean, it feels like very, at the very minimum, the airports would be equipped with, uh, host technology right host detection you would think so yeah you could track the movement that way at the borders like yeah humanity is not exactly helpless uh or or wouldn't think so so that makes me think that the robot wars are somewhat a secret war that like what the public was told about what what it's about is not maybe what it's about and like like would the president of the united states know that mave exists and the nature of her reality maybe Sirach did but I felt he was above he was the next yeah, level yeah. above the presidents and the, the dictators basically and the whole exactly world at that point so I don't I don't I'm I'm betting that like the reason that Maeve is hiding out and chilling is because for whatever reason the knowledge of hosts is not widespread but yeah that's possible that's, my, that's my feeling after one episode um uh, there's a really good cover here of a Lana Del Rey song called Video Games. Mm-hmm. Um, I I not like I'm not super familiar with this song. I think I've heard it once or twice, uh, but I went and I looked up the lyrics, and it seems to me like it is a story. It, it is like one of those saccharine 
yeah uh happy stories of like a couple meeting and having just a nice easy good life with each other not only was it good it was better than i could have possibly expected or hoped to be with this person right and so you got you know teddy stepping out of the shadows here for dolores it it all feels right it feels just kind of perfect and sweet and you know tinged with this like darkness right that just is inherent in westworld and its storytelling but yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was a really good moment for that song. Yeah, it's going to be a big 10 years from now. It's going to be a big Zoomer wedding phenomenon. Guaranteed. <laughs> I already saw on Reddit a post where someone was saying we were going to use this song. We we listened to this song all the time uh, as a couple and we would get married. We wanted like something off this album or this particular song and they gave us the perfect cover for it. Like, interesting it yeah, is so a, it's oh my god starting. yeah this particular cover because right. uh, Jawadi right. did it again I mean he he always has these yeah. just great uh, uh, lifts that he player pianos and mm-hmm. uh, he, he's done it again he's done it again it's haunting it's beautiful it is it's gonna, it's gonna be at a lot of weddings <laughs> and that's the end of the episode yeah, I, uh, I I did look. We have a ton of feedback easily enough to justify its own episode, especially since we've gone and, and almost an hour 30 ourselves. So we are going to do that, which has a couple of benefits. Gives us uh, get, I'm going to read this. Uh, my father's dragon book. See what I can wring out of that. Uh, mm. You know, I'm sure a lot of other people will, too, to give more chance to people to send out some more feet, uh, thought out feedback. Uh, but we'll be back later this week, probably Thursday, late afternoon with a feedback edition of Westworld. Uh, then of course we'll be there uh, Sunday night. As soon as the episode's done around about 10 PM Eastern on baldmove.com, we'll be starting uh, the live instant take our reaction to the episode as we saw it. And then instant talk where people can submit questions through YouTube chat interface, uh, suggest topics, uh, grab the microphone and then shout insane theories uh, we'll see. We'll see how uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But we'll be there thir- uh, Sunday night with with the first piece of coverage you can hear uh, as soon as the episode's over. So we'll see you Thursday on the feedback. Westworld at baldmove.com is how you send that stuff in. Westworld at baldmove.com. It's super easy. We'll see you Thursday for the feedback and Sunday for the premiere. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.